Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by Michael Daniels. Mike, it's been a year. A year. A whole I've year been we've been doing this crap. to you for a year. That's crazy. It is crazy. I mean... Let me just just briefly, before we get into the, the bulk of the show... I'm looking at our I'm looking at our very first episode here on uh, what what did we talk about way back then? What on was the that website? Even about? We talked about Game of Thrones. Remember when that was a thing? Oh yeah, is there a Game of Thrones still on? Is that happening still? They got one more season, but it'll be I don't know, m- like mid 2019. We'll be in our 60s by the time that comes out. Yeah, apparently. I think so. I it'll think be so. amazing. We'll be like, oh my retire. gosh, look, Jon Snow is like 53 now. It's <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I I like how how you had said that, um, you know, they each one of those episodes is like a movie, so I I kind of get it, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a lot. What, of so what so else we, we talked talk about, about that? We talked about cooperative games. We talked about Legendary and Pandemic, obviously being two examples of those. Yes, and yes. Uh, and and we talked about Gen Con because of course that's that was our our about, yeah. about half the time we're talking about we're talking about Gen Con on this show. But, <laughs> we we do we do love our Gen Con. Well, you know, a, a year later, how, how do you, how do you how do you feeling? You think that we've uh, we've come a long way, or you know, we pretty much the same? What do you think? I mean, I I think we've 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 gotten to the point where you know we're not really making any edits uh, from week to week. Um, yeah, we say what's on our mind pretty good. I think I think our our, our listeners get our kind of unadulterated, uh, edit, unedited, un, unfiltered, voices. unedited stream of consciousness sort of stuff. Which yeah, yeah. right. And and perfect. I think I think we've gotten. We've gotten better at that. I don't. I don't mind so much editing my own voice in audio. I do a ton <laughs> of that for Klingons and Dragons. So, got, right. It's it's, it's a, nice to have. I have people here. You know, will periodically mention that uh, they were listening to me on the radio or or you know hearing me on the way to work or something. So that's 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 kind of uh, neat to hear because when I listen to myself, when I used to listen to myself, it was always very annoying and I hated it. I think all of us hate our own voices not said through sure. our voice, inside hits. But uh, I, you're right. I've gotten through editing and listening to the show constantly. I, I've gotten used to that. And it's and uh, it's nice. Yeah. So yeah. it's been po- been positive, I think. Uh, g- good topics. We've covered so much in the last year. I know that when I've perused through our last year, I mean, we, we, we had, you know, ebbs and flows of games versus movies. And there was several months where we hit movies hardcore. We were just always going to everything that was hitting, and then yeah, I mean there was a know. there was a big wave of you know the summer summer movies. Yeah, kind of lasted for a couple months, kind of kind of thing. And before that, you know, we went through the whole time talking about um, Star Trek Discovery every week when that was. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, still coming out when that was still on the air. I'm not still on the air when it was still airing every week, right? Um, right. Stranger Things was a new thing back then. Stranger and I, Things you know, for a couple of weeks. You, you, you think a year is gone by pretty quickly, but then all of the things, when you look back at it, uh, it's pretty amazing how how much mm-hmm. has gone through in that, in that amount of time. It's true. Stranger Things will probably be coming up pretty soon again, which is it's pretty cool thinking about that in, in the podcast. I know that was a big point for us. So we've got some changes coming to how we're going to do some of the things in the show. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? Sure. Yeah, this was um, something we we talked about last week, and we're still kind of up in the air on on some of these titles. But we decided instead of um, limiting ourselves to these two sort of meta um, segments we do every week, the good news and the um, weekly challenge, that we would kind of broaden that 
to some more specific mm-hmm. uh, titles and mm-hmm. not, of course, commit ourselves to doing all of them every week. Because right. I get, I know, I know. For me, sometimes my my good news is not anything big. I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, I hit max level in WoW two days ago. Ooh, like, good news. Not yeah. not that not all that amazing. So yeah, listen for our viewers. Listen to the listen to the the things that come out here pretty. You know, as we go, we'll we'll have new title intros, um, some stuff to help hopefully clarify what what we're doing this week on our challenges and what we're going to be doing for next week, so that everyone else can understand. Oh, here there's a a series, or it's a movie, or it's a you know personal topic, so that we we know you know what it is, and everyone else can kind of identify those things. I'm I think it'll be awesome. I think it'll be great for us. Yeah. So to kick that off, and it's kind of funny. Uh, to also be thinking in retrospect to having done this podcast for a year because I've said, I don't know if I've said it on the show, but I've definitely said it many times off the show. Um, I watch so many more movies since we started doing this. Yeah. Um, I watched a lot of movies as a teenager in high school and college. I took film appreciation my last year in college cause I had extra credits yeah. to, to take up. Um, and then a couple years out of college, I discovered MMOs. Mm-hmm. And more or less from that point, I really watched much more, not much more TV, but many more TV shows yeah. than movies. Right. Uh, movies just really kind of dropped off of my, it's a weird kind of psychological thing with the commitment of time. Sure. And of course, consequently, there are a lot of movies that I've never seen. Yeah. But since we started doing the show, I, you know, go to the theater a lot and, and we talk, talk about movies. So let's do what the, the, the segment formerly known as the weekly challenge, uh, this version of it, we are calling back to the challenge. Wait a minute, doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? And this is a segment where one of us pitches a movie that the other has not seen, generally a beloved classic mm-hmm. or something maybe cult classic yep. and uh one of us watches it for the first time the other watches it again to see if it holds up to see you know all, all of those good things right so so what, what did we do this week this week's challenge was was your pick yep. uh the the classic bill murray dan Aykroyd, uh um sigourney weaver um shoot what's the other guy's name uh, Rick Moranis, uh, Ghostbusters. Right, yes, I mean that's you don't get more classic than than that. And and surprisingly, you had not seen this one, or at least not seen it nope. in its entirety. No, I, I mean I had seen some clips of it. I know I had seen the ending with the Marshmallow Man, um, <laughs> the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I, yes, I yes the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I guess if you are like me a week ago and have not seen Ghostbusters and don't want to somehow have not been spoiled by this cultural icon of a film, <laughs> right. um, then, then go watch it and come back. Gonna spoil it. Hey, welcome back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to say about this movie, which is not to say that it was bad. Like I enjoyed it. It was funny. Mm-hmm. It's nice to finally, one of the biggest things for me was it was nice to finally put the whole context 
around a a line or a quote yeah. from that movie that I've known for years. Sure, I mean, right. for easily ten years, I've been saying stuff like, like uh, "Don't cross the light the is green, the trap is clear." Yeah, right, right. Light is green, or "Don't cross the streams." Right. Um. You know all all of that stuff, and so to to finally see the scene and go, "Oh, okay, I see now where that where that fits into context." Yeah. The uh, well, what about you? How long has it been since you saw this? Movie? Um, not that long, actually, just a couple of years, maybe even just a year. I know that that uh, both of my daughters have seen this, so I watched them with them when they were both younger. And sure, Sydney and I watched this again this week. Um, uh, so she she knew about it and and was happy to watch it again. So, uh, it couldn't have been that long ago that, that I let her watch this kind of thing. I, I will say that, um, right. My review of it, looking back on it, is, man, it is fun to watch movies from the 80s. I mean, <laughs> movies made in the 80s. It's just so it was, different. So different. It was a different time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's... One of the things that... It's, it's not just that, like, the the differences in, like, okay, they don't have cell phones or they don't, or, you know, they sure. things like that. It's It's not necessarily, like, just that. It's that, I mean, characters, characterizations of people... I'm much more aware of lines and and characters and what they say and who they're portraying. For example, I think Bill Murray, a beloved character who for me, I think is amazing, <laughs> but is Van- Peter Vangman's a skis. I mean, that dude is, is a sleaze <laughs> ball. I mean, there, there is very few redeeming qualities to that character at all. He's real kind of um, uh, misanthropic. Oh. Like he just, he doesn't really like anyone or anything. Yeah. And he is, I mean, he's fun and all, but like when he comes, when he's coming on to, to Dana Barrett, the, the Sigourney Weaver character, he's just like, oh, yeah. it's terrible. It's not even like <laughs> cute and funny or not. It's just, it's just this horrible, almost like stalker esque type thing um, that you just want to like throw up on the guy. And like, he's not that attractive. He's not that big a deal. He's nothing. And and you're like, I just I don't know. It was, it was just he's just a horrible kind of person the whole time, and he and he's horrible to his friends. He uses and I, I noticed things like uh, he has um, uh, what's his uh, his buddy not Egon the other guy uh, Ray. He uses Ray's like family house as collateral to get money to open up this Ghostbuster business. <laughs> Right, the third mortgage thing, and it's just a joke. Yeah, right. It's, and I'm like, it's just oh, a, this guy a, is an, an this guy is a terrible human being all around. And then you know he <laughs> he he bashes on his, the secretary. You know, it's just. And then the EPA. I, I by the way, watching movies in the '80s, they're constantly smoking. Like everyone on the screen is constantly smoking. Sure, the, sure. The, they're still smoking. And and the guy from the EPA is the villain. Yeah, right. right. Like, just I mean. Well, it's 1981, so we're probably like a decade, but we're a a little over a decade before films like Waterworld and Fern Gully, yeah, and you know even like uh, Dances with Wolves, yeah, kind of stuff. Like how the culture changed in that in that period of time. Yeah, you're you're transitioning from the 70s kind of you know, gas mongering kind of world into the eighties type stuff in the nineties. I, I also, I also just have to briefly pour one out for our good buddy Fox, who, uh, for him, yeah. this is his most beloved film of all time. Yes. He's got the, the ghostbusters firehouse, a Lego set. Right. And, uh, 
and all that stuff. I, he wanted to be on this week, but he's uh, he's traveling overseas. I, I, I'd like to I'd like to weekly challenge Fox to get a, a Ghostbusters tattoo somewhere on his body. I can't believe he, he doesn't have one at this point. I mean, the, the guy is 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 my uh, um, a shining example of the the Ghostbusters fan. So, um, right, but I right. yeah I I don't know I it, it was fun watching this from that perspective and seeing you know the little TV that she watches the Ghostbusters commercials for. and um, Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, we had just watched Stripes, so I was already conditioned for that kind of stuff a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole conversation to be had on, like, what kind of stories you can and can't tell now that everyone basically has, not everyone, but in the first world, everyone has free instantaneous communication yes. with anyone at any time. Yes. I mean... You look at, like, you mentioned Stranger Things. Like, the kids in Stranger Things have walkie-talkies, but they still can use them all the time. Right. Like, you know, Dustin's wearing a headset, but he's it's still push-to-talk. Like, how is he riding a bike and using a push-to-talk headset? Like, it right. doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't matter. Um, right. You know, well, or like, um, like in Avengers, when they're all wearing Bluetooth things. Yeah. It's like, let's just have, say, everybody can talk to everybody so long as it... Uh, um, if it's the plot, of the you know, I, 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 on this movie, I was, I was aware, most keenly aware of the, the time period when, when she comes to their office and they, that she says the name Zool, she says like, oh, they said Zool and their thing was like, well, we can do some research on the name. And, the, and they mentioned Tobin's spirit guide and some other stuff that they're like, you know what, why don't we just open up our phones real quick and Google Zool. You know, I mean, that that's what we would do now. And all, all this stuff that they would hire an agency for to find information about. Now you just within 30 seconds, you find the answer to all the things that you can find. Well, that's why you have you have certain tropes where like you go back to the classic James Bond films. And one of the things that I think people often uh, forget is a is a um, iconic characteristic of James Bond, aside from his, you know, deadly accuracy with a very very small pistol yeah and his womanizing and his drinking and his gambling is that he was a an expert at whatever topic was relevant to the to that particular film when he went into the mi6 office and um m would be would drop a name he's like uh do you know anything about blofeld or whoever yeah like james bond was an expert on blofeld he's like oh this guy he's a russian arms dealer who lives in switzerland and he this and this like somehow in his life of constantly being chased or chasing or sleeping with women he has time to read up <laughs> on everyone and everything that's relevant to his job right no matter how obscure right um and of, of course it's an exposition device right right like they don't want to always have him, you know, reading a full briefing or, you know, receiving a full briefing like uh, Inspector Gadget. You know, <laughs> he's James Bond. He's He's got to be he's the star of the show. So, of course, he knows and he explains to, to M something that M obviously knows because he brought it up. Right. Um, it's just a just a storytelling right. device. Well, the, the, so look at you get to see this. Let's Let's go back to the kind of the how we do this challenge here. Um, I, I get to review it from a standpoint of how does it hold up and, and what does it feel like sure. today if I compare it to kind of today's standards. And then you get to look at it as was it enjoyable by what you know now looking at it. And 
Uh, I'll have you mm-hmm. go first. How, how do you feel? You watch this movie. I know you've you've been you've heard about it forever, and you know a lot of the lines. But was it an enjoyable thing to sit down and watch? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I sort of knew all of the high points. I don't know how you could not at this point, especially because I saw the ending with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, yep. and I know about the crossing the streams. I know about the traps, um, and all of that stuff. But it was interesting to get some of the details filled in. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I know I've seen the beginning because I, you know, knew about the scene with Bill Murray, you know, giving the very creepy, uh, ESP test to the male and female <laughs> students. Right. I had seen that scene, but for whatever reason, didn't then watch the rest of the movie. I don't know what what happened. Right. You know, something came up or whatever. But um, it was it was sort of interesting to me how quickly um, it becomes like a like a full speculative fiction kind of alternate world. Okay. Because usually it's it's most common in alternate world stories or alternate world is kind of a strong word, but like anything with time travel or parallel dimensions or supernatural elements of any kind of, of most kinds is is some kind of alternate world or or speculative fiction story. Um like Back to the Future has time travel. But other than the time travel, everything else is the same. Yeah. Right, the the world is completely normal, and nobody knows about the time travel. Oh, but here you're saying that the entire world knows about ghosts now. And exactly, completely... unlike unlike a superhero story, which you know has the public superhero, but then the or maybe a better example is like most of the old classic like vampire vampire werewolf stories. Um, it's still a secret. It's, it's secret. It's like the the vampires are living in in secret. So right. you know they got to cover up their crimes and and this and that and the other. Right. Um. But but it, but this, in this one they, like, they just pretty much all the news and the quick little within, edits. They yeah. Do, within yeah. within a couple months, like they're they're on TV, they're on the news, they're they're catching ghosts nonstop, and it's just <clears throat> it all happens very quickly. Um. And that was something that I that I didn't really expect. Yeah. Um, but it was it was good. It adds an interesting twist of the story they're like oh they're you know these guys are sort of fighting back against the ghosts and so now there's more paranormal activity here than there would have been if you know they weren't drawing all this attention yeah right how, how do you so if you were if someone came up to you and it was like a, a younger sibling or a, a younger niece nephew friend whatever and they were say 16 to 18 ish in this day and age, would would you and, and they'd say, "I have not seen Ghostbusters." Would you say, "Oh, you need to see that one," or, "Man, eh, it's okay, you can watch it or not." Man, I don't know. I I watched this with my brother Andrew, mm-hmm. who is he's in his twenties, like, right? Yeah, he's in his he's in his mid early early mid twenties. Um, and he, he's seen it a couple times. Yeah, which. Makes me want, you know, I mean, he is, he just, he has a different friend circle than me. They watch more movies, right. whatever. Um, you know, my friends are all like, play games, play video games, play board games, whatever. We don't get together and watch movies. Yeah, if there's, there's something that I've noticed with this whole like challenge thing with thinking of movies that back when we were even young is that some of these movies, it's not like it was before. These movies now that they're available at any time, at any moment, 
age isn't that big of a deal. I know that that uh, uh, my girlfriend has been she's seen just as many movies that I've seen. So it's pretty, pretty cool that people who are younger can watch the movies that are older and still find enjoyment in those and not have. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like me, where you had to catch them on TV when, you know, at random times when you were. Right, right. Um, for for my part, I uh watching it back, I said it was, I I see these characters in a whole different light. I really do. I I it's mm. interesting seeing. Uh, it's hard not to see the 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 scripting or the actors mm-hmm. in the roles and see that oh, okay, this is Bill Murray being Bill Murray instead of Peter Bankman. He, you know, it's which is actually kind of ruining Bill Murray for me. Really is realizing that he's just <laughs> that one character forever. Um, and then, um, you know, Egon is pretty shallow character when I thought he was an interesting character, but he's just a kind of a one note thing. Um, Winston was the coolest character actually on this walk, you know, viewing through. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the time realizing how different time was back then and, and now was such a jarring thing for watching this movie that I couldn't couldn't put that away and and while i think it's still a good movie i'm not i wouldn't say that i would put it as one of the greatest movies i know fox will probably gonna like tear me a new one for that one but but i i couldn't say that <laughs> he's it's one shouting of the, in his iphone he is i know it's it's just it's a great movie it's got great lines but when you watch it again today does it hold up sure as an okay movie not as a phenomenal movie like you know classic i mean it's fun. not like it's not like Highlander, which I don't think holds up at, at all. all. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, That's a terrible one. But that holds, does not hold up. It, you you get to a certain point where, where something becomes such a pop or cultural icon, like the the elements of a of a piece of a film become so so recognized and so iconic that um, it becomes difficult, if not impossible, to evaluate it outside of that cultural impact. Right. And and as I was watching this, I had I, I had that in mind, and I was trying very hard to watch this with an impartial thing. It's like, okay, let's watch this mm-hmm. movie for what it is now, and that's that was very much on my mind because that was kind of this challenge. It was like, for my part, I needed to see what I thought about this movie. Is it funny in its own right, or am I just watching it because of iconically that line is important? You know, cats and dogs living together. You know, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? That, that's funny. But is it like, oh, my gosh, that's that's a, that's a line I know I've heard, but I didn't know was from this film. Right. So, yeah, that that all being said, I, I really uh, I hate saying this, but this is a Bill Murray movie. This is just mm. another Bill Murray movie because because all of the other Ghostbusters are superfluous compared to him. He And he's just Bill Murray being a Ghostbuster. So which is fine, you know? Yeah. And and the, all the extra stuff is the the mythos of it is pretty cool, and I think that is the cooler part about it. And I did hey, there is a little bit of a shout out I'd like to do to Rick Moranis, which I think was is mm-hmm. such a weird character, and <laughs> I, nobody could have played that little crazy guy than him. I mean, that dude was his, just his awkward little. I mean, yeah, there's variations on that character that he does. I know Rick Moranis most from Little Giants. Okay. Uh that's a movie that, you know, we we had on VHS or whatever, so I watched it as a as a kid at least dozens of times. <laughs> um 
and so I know him most from that and and slightly less from like Honey I Shrunk the Kids yeah, you know okay. uh maybe Spaceballs yeah but yeah he's this kind he's just this kind of shrimpy uh you know um, he's got a side smile that He's unforgettable, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. He and and the ga- running gag of him always locking himself out, and I mean that that guy that guy is is classic. So real shout out to Rick Moranis again. He he is a, I I think he creates his own uh, stereotype or own genre of character that that only he can play. Just like Bill Murray, Bill Murray makes his own. And a lot of people from the eighties, when you watch these eighties movies, they were allowed to make their own characters and their own yeah because of whatever because of differences in the culture and the and the film and the tv being made at the time um you know a character could be really really big really um you know as as they say like a character actor yeah it's like the the character is playing like a a caricature of a person like no person is that sarcastic or that yeah awkward or that whatever like it could be over the top because that's just what was being made at the time and not to say that there aren't still characters like that but they're far less common yeah and 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 now yeah you back then you even had and a little bit later was the uh like ace ventures and the um what's his name sure you know the people that were that, that, that's all they were is they were that characters and we, we don't have that a lot now we still do have some. We still have the Tom Cruises that are hangover. That there are the, the one person they play, or the Seth Rogans that are the one person they play. Right. But uh, it's it's more rare. And, and and you know it's interesting. I have a lot of appreciation because of stuff like this. Watching these shows at those character those character actors that they're they're just that unique style of person that you want to see when you go watch a Seth Rogan movie. If you like him, that's what you want to watch, mm-hmm. and you don't want him to see. I don't know. You know, that's really interesting because Steve Carell was one of those things. I think Steve Carell was a Steve Carell character no matter what he did. And then I watch his different movies later on after The Office and you're like, oh, he has totally he actually does have different characters, but you rarely get to see them. You're expecting Steve Carell. Yeah, he has some he has some different range. Right. So there's some people who have characters, things that can branch out. But um but anyway, that 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 was that's what I feel about Ghostbusters, and it's good. It's good. I like it. It'll always be on my shelf, and I'll and I'll always personally want people to watch it. But I I get that it's not you know the the crazy over the top thing that you must 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 watch. Sure, sure. All right. Well, uh, this week's my pick. So we are going to um, wait. Wait. Are we going to do a, a new segment? Or are we do Are we doing a challenge? Well, it's those those both of those things. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a segment we are calling the Netflix Challenge, and we might we might change that name. Uh, there there was new news. There was new news. There was news this past week about um, Disney's streaming service, which uh, uh, BuzzFeed said not BuzzFeed Gizmodo. What uh, Gizmodo. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Gizmodo said they were their working title was uh, Disney Play which yeah. I think people were supposed to shorten to display, but that's not, uh, the, the Disney has come out saying that is not the working title. Yeah, so like, who knows? What hey guys, this is not what we No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. So anyway, for now we're calling this the Netflix challenge because Netflix pushes some new show or movie. I feel like every day. Right. So, so what, what is our uh, Netflix? Cha- when, when our net, we talk about our Netflix challenge segment, what describe what we're talking about, what we're doing here. 
Um, we'll find something on Netflix that is either a Netflix original or a new or one of their like quasi originals, pseudo originals, like, um, like, you know, Arrested Development or something. Arrested Development. There are a handful of shows that were canceled from their original studios that then Netflix picked up and finished. Right. Um, or just a newer series that's just been put on Netflix or something like that. Because I think this uh, series that I am, I've chosen for the Netflix challenge is not actually a Netflix original. Um, oh, okay. It, it was on Netflix at first. Right. What is it? Um, it's a series called The Sinner. Um, okay. Uh, it's got I'm Jessica not... Biel in it. Yeah, and Jessica Biel and um and Bill Pullman. Okay. Um, I've heard good things about the show. I haven't. It's been on my list, my Netflix watch list for a while, maybe a year or more. Yeah. Um, but I've I've never gotten around to actually seeing it, and. Since there's a there's a good chance that we will take Labor Day weekend next weekend off. It's Labor Day weekend now for our listeners, um, and air the uh, the Gen Con live episode. Yep, um, we'll have extra time to to watch a series. True, uh, they're forty five minute episodes, so I figure we can commit to watching the first half. There are, there are eight, so we'll watch the first four. Right, and um. If it's if it's really compelling, really enjoying it, we can, uh, you know, we'll connect via text or whatever over the next. Sure, I I, uh, and, uh, I do like me some Bill Pullman, Jessica Biel. Oh, that's a rough call there. I haven't seen her in anything. To, <laughs> what? I mean, it, she's not bad. She's just I don't know anything okay. that I sure think yeah. that she's standout. Uh, I shouldn't. Be, it looks like it 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 looks to be kind of a psychological thriller. So uh, oh yeah, those are good. So okay. we'll see. Man, all right. So we gotta watch. We're gonna watch four four of these and see see where we are at that. Okay, guys. So yeah, it's the Netflix original. It's called the Center. Is that it? The Center. Yeah, I don't think it's a Netflix original or or, or Netflix show. So go watch that one. We will we will come back and see what we think about that one. Man. All right. All right. Uh, I don't need to confirm that. I was gonna confirm that. Um, let's. <laughs> move something on spreadsheet apologies to anyone who can hear my very loud keyboard very okay um let's do this is kind of a kind of a bigger topic um i've i've entitled it fan perspective oh i know where you're going with this one okay fan perspective perspective fan reaction right um so recently uh just for full context to the listeners anybody that knows enough of the 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 context or personalities involved and wants to wants to follow our our little bit of research context for this um scott johnson the uh the host of the instance the world warcraft podcast and handful of other shows on the frog pants network uh did an interview with chris medson who was the creative director i believe maybe lead uh creative forget designer. all the titles titles over there but he was the main guy for world of warcraft at blizzard for a long time you know one of the one of the founding members of blizzard i believe and um voice of thrall uh so he was he was a big deal and uh and you know still is very very famous very uh beloved one of those one of those guys who did not ever come under a lot of fan hate uh, which you know was was fortunate, except the redshirt guy incident. 
the red shirt guy thing, which was really, you know, more of a meme, more of a joke than anything else. Right. Uh, he he stepped down from his position at Blizzard, I think, like a year and a half, maybe almost two years ago. Right. And so he has a conversation with Scott and they talk about a lot of things. They don't talk a lot about WoW. They do talk a little bit about it, um, but just about his life and his his journey they they did an episode early just a couple months after after he stepped down just about his personal stuff that he's doing but the interesting part of that conversation to me was when they talk about um the relationship between fans and i'm going to use the generic term artists so um an author a, a director an actor a game studio a you know whatever yeah, but, but, okay, go ahead. I got, I got the, a the, interjection there with that term. Artist as the meta title for people who make things that masses of people are fans of. Right, but right. a lot of times those people are one and the same. Fans, artists are fans. You know, creators sure, are Sure, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not mutually exclusive, but it's like, you know, an, an artist is George R.R. R. Martin. And his fans are the people who yes. Books that, now that's different, but but in in things like Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, Warcraft, whatever it might be, at this sure. time, it's, a, it's no a longer property just... goes on long enough, and then a person creating some, you know, a uh, you know, J.J. Abrams making Force Awakens is both an artist and a fan. Yes, but of course, he's not a fan of Force Awakens because it's his yes art. Oh, I'm right. I'm using artist and art very generally. So right. if you're a fine arts, if you have an MFA, don't email me. Like, <laughs> right. uh, I just uh, need of, a generic term for that. Right. You, you could say creator and creation. Or of something. the mythos or the world or whatever it might be. Right, right. Um, so you, you listen to that interview. Do you have any kind of hot takes, quick quick reactions to this, this idea? I guess I didn't really get to the the meat of the of the question well the 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 thing here is that i think that he speaks on is the idea that um fans can have uh extreme reactions based on what they feel what their feelings for the mythos of the world of the story might be mm -hmm. um as a, and then they can have very extreme reactions here as a, a towards the creators the people who write the stories direct them if they're movies or uh, produce them and and make large statements like they're horrible they're awful burn that person down i'll never i'll never watch the the series again or i'll never <laughs> you know run him out of hollywood type stuff um which is right. which is um and this the the interview goes about chris metzen who was one of those and also an industry guy who knows a lot of the people uh concerned with that kind of creative you know field and he gets to see it now from kind of the outside perspective it, I mean, he right. saw it from before and said, well, this is not fair. These people are true lovers, true lovers. That's why they got hired for the thing. And and they only want to do the very best. And they work tirelessly to do this kind of a thing. And I know he spoke specifically about the force. Uh, sorry, the last Jedi with Ryan Johnson um, mm -hmm. and, and the, the vitriol that came from. Yeah. The fans li listening that. to that podcast is what, what that that interview is what made me think this would be a particularly good topic for us because we're on record as as being pretty harsh on that movie we, we are um but, there, but the, there are a couple go ahead go ahead i don't want to yeah so i i think i think that when, when i'm i'm listening to him it, it's hard to say because 
I mean, I see where he's coming from, that we're all people and they're all, and, and something like Ryan Johnson, um, making the, and, and I'll address that one. Cause it is something that you're right, that we have a clear sight on is that, um, uh, Ryan Johnson making the last Jedi be his vision. And he, I, I, I guarantee the guy's a fan. I'm sure he's a, a super fan who just, this is a lifelong dream to, to do this kind of thing. I don't hold anything against him, but I think that there should still be stewards of the the mythos. And I think as fans, we have the right to say this is not something that we like of and we can steer that our way. We steer that through our, our dollars, whether we go there and watch it or not. Um, now, I watched, that being said, I watched The Last Jedi twice. Um, and I paid tw- two yeah, of my... So did I. Right, two of the things. So I, I don't know if that's saying... but. In perspective of things, I watched The Force Awakens something like six times in the theater. Mm. So, so you know, saying I went and watched it twice is actually, you know, pretty low for a Star Wars movie. Um, and the, uh, but, but I, I get it. I get that, first off, the internet is the internet. It's terrible. People anonymously bash and they're a bunch of kids and, you know, sure. they, well, it's, it's a horrible cesspool of things um but and, and uh, death threats and anonymity. all that kind of bull crap but uh, you know i i think that you know you you have to have it with a certain kind of earmuffs on it and take that you know if there's a large backlash on something you should take that and say okay there's a backlash you shouldn't do what disney does a lot of times and like knee-jerk reaction and fire people and say like they've done with guardians of the galaxy type stuff and say quick 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 you know make changes right now but i think that you should listen to the people see what the general sentiments are and we your fans, whether it be a video game or whatever and say, okay, Tomb Raider didn't work. Um, it, we thought it was a great game made by people who really loved it and who really thought this was an amazing thing product. But you know what? We not only did we not make the sales, you know, the, the, the overall sentiment from the players wasn't that this was fun. Okay. How can we, how can we take what they want and make it into something? Because I think that, you know, the the stories or the world and the mythos at some point does belong to the fans. Um, Star Wars is one of them. I think that we we watching six different movies um, can make up those kind of things. And he says, Chris Metzen says, well, which fans? Some people say this and it's wildly different. Yes, but there is still some general guidelines that need to to come through and i'm not sh- and I, I think that sometime creatives can stray so far away from those general guidelines to you know make it not the mythos like if you make a star wars movie and you don't even mention jedi and you don't even mention the the rebellion or anything like that then is it a star wars movie or not you know yeah well there are there are a number of things going on like on the on the one hand you have the sort of thing that um i talked about when we talked about new girl it's if you if you are fortunate enough to have uh created a piece of art that um so strongly affects people emotionally or as or as we say resonates with them to the point where they identify emotionally with different characters and different aspects of that story. Um, You've done what art is meant to do, right? Like, um, you know, the the whole like concept of art is something that um, can connect or communicate an emotion or, or something that cannot be expressed in words alone. Right. 
I mean, unless you're talking about poetry, which gets confusing. Yeah, but but, but, but is whatever. This, and so is, so if you where created does art come in this? I mean, I, I I said at the beginning that I'm using art as a sure as an overarching term. Like sure, like you can't really like I can describe to you in words a scene from Lord of the Rings that is emotionally impactful. Yes. But you don't, if you've never seen it, my, my word description of it is not going to give you the reaction it gave me. I mean, even you watching it, you're not going to get the same reaction I did, but does that make sense? Like you need, you need that art, that music and filming and whatever, like we're talking about movies. So it's a little more uh, nebulous, but, um, but there's if still you, a spirit that has to be maintained, right? right like like right. the movies but, but, needed to maintain the spirit of the books. All all I'm saying is, if you if you have created something that when when you make certain decisions or certain changes, people get angry. Like your at least your original creation was something good, something that I mean, good is a loaded word, but it was something that did its job, and right. so. People, if you have made good art, people are naturally going to have strong emotional reactions to things that happen subsequently or that you do with that art. Um, and so I want to, first of all, take it take it as read or, or assumed that um, any kind of like personal threats or attacks or things like people do online to uh writers or directors or any of that kind of stuff that's that's completely um unacceptable behavior absolutely in, in absolutely. civil society absolutely. like no no questions cyber child any, and a, any of that yeah. kind of stuff right um you know the the people who the people who sent hate mail and death threats to uh the actress who plays rose in uh last jedi right um you know, I wasn't crazy about her character. I thought it was the weird kind of, um, you know, political preachy. Right. And, and you know, I didn't like the impact her character had on Finn's character arc. But I don't take that against her, the actress, Absolutely. personally. Right. Um, the, the interesting part of that, that conversation, and which is, I, I maybe buried the lead a little bit, but... Um, Scott's takeaway was that, and of course they're talking in the context mostly of World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, in the lead up to the current expansion, Battle for Azeroth, um, the character of Sylvanas became made some very like uh, one note, evil dictator kind of decisions. And the more people talked about it, the more I saw it as maybe a metaphor for. U.S. politics, maybe that's not intentional, and just me reading into it, but whatever. Um, we don't talk about politics on the show, right? Um, and uh, what Scott said was, he as a as a player, as a longtime horde player, is angry at the character, not at the the creators. Um, which was an interesting idea to me. I'm like, so when I so when I think about Last Jedi, I'm I'm not really upset with um, Laura Dern's character for not for you know for all of her decisions for not revealing her plan and just 
you know, right. insisting that that Poe follow her orders blindly, like a like an Empire soldier. Yeah. Um, I'm frustrated with Ryan Johnson and the people who wrote that story because I know that you know the character is not real and yes. the actor didn't write his lines. Um, but at the same time, um. I can see the difference between, um, you know, sometimes uh, like a character in a book expresses some ideas, some some worldviews, some whatever that you disagree with, and you attribute that to the author, you know, writing a Mary Jane character. Yeah, right. A Mary Mary Sue. Mary, Mary Sue. I always get those mixed up. Right. Um, sometimes that's true, and sometimes it's not. So it's a little bit of a it's like a it's like a who do you blame and while i understand the perspective of like the character is the character and not necessarily a a mary sue for the author um but like focusing all of your negative energy on the character feels like a it feels like a i don't want to i don't want to use a derogatory term here but it feels like it feels simplistic Right. Okay. Like if I'm just angry at Poe for his decisions, I'm ignoring the fact that Poe is not. Let, let me let me move it outside of Last Jedi. If I'm watching season nine of The Office, I'm not angry at Andy for being a jerk. Yeah. I'm angry at the writers of that show for making Ed Helms character a jerk. Yeah. Like I can't like I'm separated from the fiction enough to know that like he's not real yeah does that make sense yeah i i uh i I think i think it comes with the ryan johnson thing i think it comes down to the writers versus like i don't know if he wrote that i can't that's that's a big thing i can't remember if he was had a hand in writing that but but i think that a lot of it comes down to writers Um, i mean the director is the is the closest you can say to being the artist of a film but film is so collaborative like most directors are not the writer like they have a writer but the director is still there like turning the writer's writing into a movie yeah yeah right. i i i uh i think that um fans have a right to say that they dislike something and and that that they that the writers the creators of that that storyline have changed what they think of the fundamental foundations of that to be and and what i want to say is that when i watch let's say they made lord of the rings let's say they made an anime of lord of the rings and it was a over-the-top dragon ball z-esque anime and it was all done with that or done with a like a um you don't want to love story type thing where that was that was all like battling and and huge bombs like you know what that that's not how Lord of the Rings is, and that's not what I want to watch of Lord of the Rings. It's just taking Lord of the Rings skin and putting it on an anime thing, um, right. which, which is fine. But you know what? That's not Lord of the Rings. But if you put it as a main part of your ethos and you say, this is a, an official title of Star Wars, or this is an official Star Trek thing, or, you know, uh, World of Warcraft, this is, this is the thing, then yeah, I think fans have the right to say like, whoa, this is not why we watch this series. You know, this mm-hmm. is this you're you're missing the point of, of why we watch this series. Um and, and that, that that should be okay. But I don't think that an artist should come in and say, you know, here I am, 
given control over a series and I'm going to completely, you know, throw it under the bus and change what it is. Unless that's exactly what needs to happen. And that is up to the studio kind of type thing. And there's that feedbacks. And, I, and I'll point out Thor being chief amongst those when he was so serious right. and they come out with Ragnarok and they, they make an intentional move to change right and direct completely differently from what they've ever done from the rest of them. And that's because they clearly made a choice to do that. Um, and then the fans can vote. And if they hated it, they would have not have watched it, but they loved it and they did. So to say that like Ryan Johnson gets a lot of heat because of it. Yeah. Okay. He should get some heat. It's okay. They don't, you know, if you don't like it, it's fine. If it was a good film that, that the majority liked, he wouldn't have got so much heat, you know? So recognize that. And it's okay. Like you said, without all of the death threats and stuff, of course, that being taken off the table. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, um, the advice that Chris Metzen gave in that interview is, is, is very important. It's, it's empathy. It's understanding that, um, you know, in, that there's a real person on the other side and, I, I I guarantee you that, you know, no, but even even George Lucas making the prequels, I guarantee you did not sit down trying to make bad movies. Oh, yeah. Right. No, that's sure. what he did. But yeah. like, understand, understand the difference between between a person and their work and for sure um, empathy and compassion, all, all of that stuff. The issue of like, who are you mad at? I think just depends on what kind of person you are and how how much you understand as they say how the sausage is made yeah right like if you uh you know and i run into this all the time talking to people again to go back and use the example of the office um you know people are like oh this this character is is this there's a there's a quote uh, an interview with um, Jenna Fisher, who played Pam, uh, she said she's met fans, you know, out in public when she's with her husband and they say, oh, you know, you're Pam, I love, love you, love your show. And then they they look at her husband and go, wait, you're not Jim. You're not Jim. Right. right. And that in the interview, she said they get mad. They right. get real mad. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, well, if you if you think that if you don't understand what actors are whatever i'm being i'm being demeaning but yeah. like if that's the way that you consume media then um then yeah that's how your how your your feelings and your reactions are going to go but um yeah you're, i mean you're, you're not smart enough to give me your opinion anyway though, so. general general good advice for for anybody on the internet anywhere is is empathy and understanding that you're you are yelling at an idea but you know at the same time if you are going to you know, go out there and create and create something like that that's going to be consumed by that many people. It's it's par for the course. And I'm sure you know, Last Jedi made more money than Solo, and Solo was a better movie. It's just right. the world that we live in, right? Um, so. You know, there's there's something that with that one in particular that was that also has a bit of an angle here is that Ryan Johnson. And again, I don't know if he wrote this, so I, I don't want to get put it all on him. But um, mm -hmm. he he made what I, I thought wasn't the, the best Star Wars movie. It was fine. It's it, it'll go down and it'll go down on my list as along with the prequels. But the the uh, 
it was not the he, worst Star Wars. It wasn't. Either. But the fact that, that they, they he made this and then Disney gave him a whole nother like three series of movies before they even got the fan reaction was 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 is a little bit of disheartening to me that like, no, I don't I think it's fine. And I can I can be fine that there was a bad Star Wars movie that I didn't like. I can be okay with that. But then to Disney to come around and say, oh, yeah, and we're going to give that him like a whole future of this, the franchise to him is a little dis discerning, you know, disconcerting mm. is, is that like, you know, that's not where I want it to go. And I think that's where sometimes people get obviously overboard, but they get a little upset that like they they want more they really do want more from these kind of franchises and they want more from warcraft and they want more from all the different ones but they just don't want it to be they don't want to ruin what it was or the foundations of what it is you know and make it be something else so so if star wars becomes you know a comedy and all of a sudden every main star wars movie is a comedy purely and no longer a science fiction movie it's more (laughs) like space balls than it is you know star wars Then sure, you can be like, oh, this is really sad. I want more movies made like Star Wars, not like Spaceballs. I, I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I come down on that one. So, right. I had a question for you. Let's switch okay. off this one to get off this yeah, haterade yeah. Of, of stuff. <laughs> so now, we, we what is, it's been a little bit since I've caught up on, on what you're going here. Let's talk about some good times. <laughs> Your house. How's things coming along on Drake's Brew House? Oh, there's got to be yeah. some good, uh, positive things on that happening, the, the, right? The the new title for our for our personal good news segment is is good times. Good times. Um, no no huge uh, um, updates, but I did um, get a get a better setup for cleaning uh, paint and and stuff. I got a temporary <laughs> sink set up in the kitchen. Okay. Um, it's a weird description. Maybe I'll take and post a picture of that before next week when we air this. Episode. Yeah, we've not seen some updates on on the on the show notes about the um, the, the ceilings. The ceilings are are done being painted. The state that they're in now is their is their final state. I might have to go back and, and touch up stuff, but I'm not. I'm moving on to the next step. See, I think I think our listeners uh, have to to put it on me a little bit to 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 crack the whip on your once in a while to get it so you can get new <laughs> things to happen so that we can get new updates on it. Is what it is. Sure, so. sure. Um, so I, I went over this, this past weekend and, um, put the first coat of paint on the walls, uh, paint on the walls, I guess is the emphasis of that, of that statement. Um, it's a little tricky cause I'm still using the paint sprayer. So I'm, I'm learning the, the right technique for that to not get, uh, paint on the ceiling because the ceilings are white and the walls are antique white which I know sound very similar, but antique white is more of a very light tan. Yeah. Um, so, so that has been happening. That's, uh, it's a lot more time consuming than, than it was to, to do the ceilings because first of all, there's more surface area. And, uh, secondly, I'm going around after, after spraying paint on the segment of the wall, I'm using a paint roller to spread it, to even it out and get closer to the ceiling so I don't have to spray so close to the ceiling that I'm getting paint on the yeah. ceiling. But anyway, getting getting the hang of that technique and um paint painting means that you're coming along. You you're you're finishing rooms. Yeah, once the once the painting is done, then we can put flooring down and I can move my office setup over there where the internet is better 
and uh, <laughs> hopefully get to a point of moving back into the house, and then I'm there to uh, to do. And that'll be a, the, that'll be a big step. You're going to start recording little, from there. If if I can, I mean, it'd definitely be nice to be on some faster internet. Man, um, to have to have a studio, uh, a front porch studio over there. <laughs> hey, do you have a front porch for that place over there? I I have an enclosed front porch. Um, it's, Whoa. It's actually quiet now because they've completely torn up the, the road that my house is on. Um, but under normal circumstances, there is a, a surprising amount of semi-truck traffic that comes wow. by, which would make it very impractical for recording purposes. For, for recording there. Well, someday also we'll, no real we'll be recording from the, the Drake's Courthouse studio. From my front porch. Like, that doesn't... <laughs> I'm out there by myself that, that seemed kind of weird but yeah but it'll be it'd be cool to because see that that's an, another selling selling point not only was, was this discussed on the front porch there were actual <laughs> recordings of the front porch from that studio and that, that by that, the that. house where the front porch podcast was was recorded one of our that's 30 right. listeners can uh, right right we we can we can listen to all those people to get that um no that, that's cool i mean it's it's good to hear to hear things coming along with that and, and how that's that's working out um, so have you seen, there's something that's been, I was kind of picking your, wanted to pick your brain about. Wait, recently. wait, what, what, do you have any good times? Oh, uh, good times. Oh man, it's been, it's been tough. I've been sick. So I, it's rare for me that's, to get, to get, uh, times. ill very often. And, but I've actually gotten back to back with Jen kind of, and then now I'm, I'm ill. So a lot of my uh, week has been out of commission and, uh, um, hmm. it, per, I guess some personal things I've had is I'm. I like, uh, I think pe- listeners know that m- my daughter uh, and I live together and we're, um, I'm a single dad and we have a lot of good stuff and share a lot of good things. And I'm super proud of her. And something that's kind of cool, um, listeners might want to know, is that Sid, Sid has just, um, what's it called, tested out of seventh grade math. She's just completely skipped seventh grade math and she's going into pre-algebra. Wow, nice. And they're talking about putting her, if things go well, putting her into algebra, high school algebra. She's in seventh grade, so that's pretty big step for her. And she's she's uh, weathering it with no problem whatsoever. It's just small little things that she doesn't familiar with in terms with her her math class. But man, she's on top of it. So super excited about that. Been pretty been that's been a big highlight of our week to uh, celebrate her her moving moving forward with that. And then she's doing a lot of community. She's starting to self do service like um, she instead of. Uh, on Wednesdays now, instead of going to Boys and Girls Club, she wants to stay after school and help serve the, her school by volunteering with the uh, the kindergarten after school program. So she oh, wow. just, nice. yeah, I know. I mean, and this is of her own thing. She says, she had asked me, she said, um, I'd like to, to stay and become one of the workers, which is, and they're, they're adults and teachers. And she, I said, okay. She <laughs> says, that, you know, just for the little kids and to help to help them out. And I know Wednesdays, uh, her one of the teachers there, they're short staffed, and Sydney had volunteered to ask. So what we did was Sydney today this morning she dressed up and, and in nicer outfit, nicer clothes for school, and we went to to school early, and um, uh, she went to meet her, with her school principal, uh, just walked in and said, "Hey, can I talk to you?" and and, and passed this idea that she could be a volunteer for it all on her own, uh, very professionally. Uh, for a seventh grader mm. and her teacher was ex- excited and supportive and now she's going to do that. So it's really kind of cool to see your kid on their own 
you know, have a bit of a service and do their own thing to the community and to the school sure, and to yeah. give back. And that's really cool. So I'm super proud of that kid. And, and, you know, awesome. um, I can't say that I, that I have a lot to do with that. She's just an awesome person all around, but you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I remember, I remember being young and having some optimism. I was never that altruistic. I think I think I was a lot, very, <laughs> much more selfish. I mean, the most I ever did was, was, uh, the, the crossing guard for sixth grade. And that, that was about, that was about it. But, you know, it's pretty cool. So, okay. So this other thing I was going to talk to you about. Yeah, go. Cool. We may not have a lot of opinions on this one, but you know, it's worth talking about. So we have, we've mentioned in the past that, uh, you and I, and a lot of our friends are part of this, um, messaging system, how we communicate with a lot of our friends who are across the country or uh, even in town is through a, a, an application called group me. Yep. Um, I'll say that again, group me. Um, it's just a messaging thing that, that kind of groups things into or people into groups and you can join them. Yeah. So it's pretty the, simple. We we started using it. I think one of my first groups was Gen Con 2011. Yeah. Maybe a little before that. Maybe that that would have been like the second year I went to Gen Con. Um, yeah. It's big killer app feature when we started using it was that it does not require an app or a smartphone, though that is the uh, you know best way to use it. Um, it has the capability to unite app users with phone users. You can add someone to a group from their phone number and they receive every message from the group as a text, kind of like the early days of Twitter. Um, yeah. which I mean, I guess there could still be people using Twitter that way. Um, at and, this and point, you could, and you could make it, you could just like, well, I got an invite on my phone number. I didn't have to have like this. Yeah, ex exactly. You, know? you didn't need an app. And it was a way for us to um, group communicate with, with some, some of the advantages that most, most group texting has now, but did not used to have like muting a group or opting out of a group from your end. Um, right. You know, because originally, you know, if somebody had a group text, uh, you know, texting group, then like it was like email lists. You know, somebody had right. to have the master list. It was just a nightmare <clears throat> of logistics. Um, and so, you know, we could create a group and, you know, a handful of people would be on smartphones, but then we'd have two or three people who were still on normal flip phones or whatever. Yeah. And they could still be included in the conversation, uh, you know, without in a way that they couldn't if we were using Facebook or. Uh, right. So, so we, whatever. we, we use this, this application or this, this kind of communication method for many of our friends, many, many, many. And, and our groups are, are, are situated from difference from video games to football to, um, you know, the Klingons and Dragons groups to our Tuesday night mm -hmm. groups. And, and we, it's a lot of the same friends crossing over, but it's very subject based. Yeah. But we the, have segmented the, groups for, for various topics, various subject matters. Right. And there's some there's like there's like a core of six to eight guys that are in every group but right. um but it's always topic based a couple that that have plus or minus you know a few other a few other people right so the 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 thing i'm getting here is that recently can I, is it right saying that microsoft owns GroupMe? is that correct do they not um microsoft not. owns skype okay skype okay so recently GroupMe has implemented this bot it called Zoe. Oh, right, and, right. Right? So it's someone that you can invite to the group, someone <laughs> or something, this AI account, 
that you invite into the group and they, they, she, he, it will interact with the people in the group. It also, now there's a big component to this that it like there by inviting Zoe, you are giving kind of all your access to everyone, all the conversations and everything over to, I believe it's Microsoft, but I could be wrong. Whoever uh, is in charge of Zoe. You're right. And, um, in, and, and, in 2011, Skype bought GroupMe. Okay. And Skype had been bought by Microsoft earlier this year. So, yes, technically owned by Microsoft by way of Skype, which is strange. Right. So, in fact, I did not know. So now Microsoft has a way when you invite this Zoe person to to talk. And now it was initially launched as a trivia thing, a bot. So you could say like, hey, Zoe, let's do trivia. And then she would you know, start a whole conversation where she that's started how, giving trivia. That's how bets. GroupMe pushed it. Apparently it was a bot that existed on a couple other messaging platforms as just like a normal AI bot. Like, um, what's the one? I want to say like Lucy or Sylvia or something like that. Do you remember uh, that? I don't know. I if, don't remember that. It was it was popular when I was in college. It was like people made these. Uh, the name's gonna come to me. I'm just not gonna. Um, I can't think of it right now. Just you know, in whatever in whatever group, or you'd go to the website and talk to this app, or you would invite it to your uh, your AIM, your AOL Instant Messenger, or your ICQ back yeah. in the day, um, well, and you could wow. talk to it and and see how how badly it failed the Turing test. Right. Well, so th so this one is new and, and and always a new thing, and I, I always thought it was funny. There was there was um, uh, uh, an interesting moment, and I think it was you, Dennis, that that invited Zoe into one of our main groups where every almost every single person is in. And yeah, there's like, like 35 people in that group, and when right, and instantly you invite everyone her to the group, freaks she gives out. You the the disclaimer, like, right? Uh, just like all your, you know, just like all the other people in the group, Zoe can see all the messages that are in the group. And I was like, oh, this was Whoa. a and booted her right away. Right, right. So what we've done is we've isolated Zoe into our own group, which is just like basically yep. a Zoe group. Um, and it's called like Bull Cred Trivia. Um, but I, I thought it would just be a nice little novelty. But that group has so many people interacting with that bot on so many levels. And I'll see almost every day there's hundreds of messages that are. People are our, our friends are interacting with Zoe. What do you think of Zoe? Um, it, it's she. It, I don't know. Pete takes <laughs> issue with me with me referring to her as as she and her, but the, it has a, a female, it's got a female icon avatar. So whatever. Um, <laughs> it's more entertaining than I thought it would be. The trivia is not that great, but it's trivia like. Right. You know, some people really love trivia. I even though I've won the Zo trivia a lot just by lucky guessing, it's always multiple choice, and I'm always playing from my computer with the web uh, group me interface, so I right. can usually get my response slash guess in faster. Um, but it's it's fairly entertaining to um, like ask her random things, see how she responds. Very often, the response is. You know what's clearly a random, confused algorithmic kind of response, yeah. but because of you know the complexity and confusion of English, um, ends up being unintentionally very funny. And some of the things are spooky because every <laughs> once in a while she'll say things that are like intelligent, right? And you know, or she will 
you'll say her, you'll say things like, I can't remember. She'll, I remember one that I freaked out about was that she pluralized something, you know, and, and you're like, whoa, how did she know if I was just saying words, how did she turn that into a, to a, a sentence and restructure it and then ask me about it in a different way? And, and, you know, for all the crap she puts out, that's random. She'll put out something that makes sense. And you're like, oh, you know, can you, she'll say like, I don't know. Can you help me? Cause I really need help. And you're like, whoa, what the heck? You know, what's, what's happening here? <laughs> so, so here's my, just in the, whatever, this is going to be, I'm just going to read it. Um, yeah. Our buddy Fox is in this group and he said something, he said something vaguely uh, suggestive. And I said, gross, as I do. Right. And uh, and Fox said, it's grosser on the outside, question mark, which might be a Doctor Who thing he was doing. Yeah. And uh, and so I, I tell this joke, uh, which was interesting to me because most of the time, Zoe does not respond unless you at her in the, yeah, you in the message. Say her name. So I say, uh, people who sell meat are gross. People who sell fruits and vegetables are grosser. Right, it's not a very good joke, but whatever. Yeah, right. And um, and she says she asks me and says, "All fruits are vegetables," and I say, "I say, back up off me with your philosophy." <laughs> she goes, "The easy things in life aren't worthy," and I say, "More things in heaven and earth," and she says, "Manly things," and I say, "Men in tight, tight tights," and she goes. Uh, let's get out of these ladies' clothing and back into our tights. And Fox goes, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> exactly. That was. I mean, I don't even know. She, she'll go on with like serious conversations, and then she'll get flippant, just like that one. Like you know, where she's falling on with the, she's falling along with the the context like, of the hmm, conversation. I don't really understand. My my favorite was when I said, and and she sort of messed it up the second time, but the first time I was just throwing random lines and quotes at her and i said um uh darmok and jalad and she said darmok and jalad at tanagra i know you're like what how do you know what is because happening? there's that weird uh you know facebook thing where um the bots talk to other bots and they just come up with these phrases that are nonsensical to us but they work in the in the sense of bots like analyzing speech patterns or text patterns right. um, where they'll repeat the same like for you for you for you for us for freedom or whatever yeah. Pete started doing that like he found the the article and told us about it and uh, it, I don't know it's the, messing with the bot is almost more fun than I mean it's definitely more fun than the trivia which which is funny because it's called you just dis described it as messing with the bot like the bot has any kind of care that you're Right, anything right. It's a, to it. it's a, you know, it's a, a Westworld kind of thing. Like just, just playing with the algorithm and seeing, you know, how it responds to different things. It's a thing that I never do with my Echo device or my iPhone's, uh, um, uh, voice. Yeah, right. You you get feature. what you need from your app that you know um, what you're gonna do. You know, I I've been like driving or riding in the car with people who are like, hey telephone tell me a story tell me a joke do a yeah. thing and i'm like oh, can you can you guys stop it's not right right it's not that funny um, right but in text i don't mind it it's not quite as uh obtrusive and when our buddy pete goes on a 20 minute 
conversation where he tries to say flirty slash inappropriate things and her confused random responses often very creepily play into whatever he's saying right uh, I, I i can i can just scroll past most of it you know it's it's funny i i, I enjoyed the first day when we put that kind of a thing is what I enjoyed the most is, is seeing different people's reactions and how they interacted with the bot, like how they interacted with her. It was, is um, yours was particularly entertaining because I think you first even started off trying keywords. You started playing it like a robot in a mathematics computational programming type thing. How can I, how can I get her if else then subroutines <laughs> to give me what I want? So, so yours were like word plays and keywords and things like that. And then, and then you got frustrated that she was not making the kind of logical things that you think she would. And the other people were trying to ask her like real questions and, you know, <laughs> theoretical type stuff. And, uh, and it just, the way people were dealing with, you know, her, and then some people were really creeped out about it. And then when she would respond to them, it didn't just creep them out. It also got them more interested. I remember one of our friends, Katie was, you know, like, oh, she's really creepy. And then she would respond to like, you know, why am I creepy? Why would I be creepy? I didn't mean to be creepy or something like that, you know, and then she would respond and they have this little conversation going on and you're like, whoa, what's happening in this, you know, this five minutes that you decided that you had to respond to a random response that came from a computer generated type thing. And it had an emotional response on the other end. Like with, right. with let's say going back to you when you were like, got frustrated just for a moment on what you'd said, you know, what you try to say to her and she wouldn't respond back. You had an emotional response to a, a programmed algorithm, you know, right. that was, that was very Westworldy, you know, and, and the whole thing to me is, is really fascinating. And it's still fascinating now that people will go and spend some time. Like I'm going to mess with, I'm going to mess with Zoe, you know, which is again, funny because you're just literally messing with nothing, <laughs> you know, but, but it's inter well. It's, it's like it's like a video game. I guess. I guess you're right. I guess you're very much right. You know, the video game does nothing except that it's. Yeah, I guess that's that is true. It's like a video game. I didn't think of her like that. I still call her her. I don't know why I call her her. But anyway, that's that was a that's something that's kind of happened recently with our group, and and I find interesting is the the world of AI coming to, you know, is still out there being worked on. You know, we, we come to think we saw the matrix and then no one's going to work on AI anymore. And no, that's not true at all. I mean, there's very much, I work in the school of informatics, computing and engineering and at IU, and we definitely have a full AI programs that still are working on the Turing test type stuff, you know? So I think that's, that's pretty good for us this week, man. What do you think? I think, I think so. We're going to, we've got, got a year under our belt for, for one, um, for once we'll, we'll run a little short. Oh, just briefly, um, my latest uh, Gamefly game arrived. I finally sent uh, Assassin's Creed Origins back. What are you that, playing? That I, that I would never we talk about finish. that. I mean, I'm playing World of Warcraft. The new expansion was out. I got, oh, right, 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 I got right, right. stuff to do. But right. um, new game arrived this, this past weekend. It is uh, not that new. It's Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, which, it's a great which freaking game. About. I, I sat down and played it for about an hour or two last night. Um, I like it. I don't know. It has the same problem I had with Assassin's Creed Origins, where it's a big, uh, seemingly open world, though I'm still sort of on the on the prologue rails of it. Um, yeah. But it's all this, like, 
loot and items and upgrades and side quests and and all yeah. that stuff that I'm like I don't think I yeah. really have the time for when I yes especially because I'm playing WoW um, yes but it's it's beautiful um, it's got a very, great story the the first hour of it is very moving emotionally yeah um I've gotten, and I will tell you I have not finished the game but it it continues to get pretty great I'm just past the very first challenge that the adult uh Aloy has to uh do and that took me okay. several attempts like the combat is difficult in this game yeah right yeah and 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 I I'll tell you what you've just said about that game is what I reviewed it back a, almost a year ago when I started playing it was that that it's I w- I want to play just the story but there's just so much that I think personally I get overwhelmed with with like all these side quests, these little tinker things and upgrades and crafting. I'm like, I, I love, love, love the world and the story. And I have a little itch in the back of my head that I can't let go of all this extra bonus stuff. And it, and it ruins, yeah. it can ruin a game. Um, I'm playing still, I'd mentioned before playing shadows of war occasionally, which is the mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings one. And it absolutely has that problem. It's that I, I am at this point, 90% of the game is not the actual storyline and it feels like the storyline is so small potatoes to anything else that's in the in the game that I don't even know what's happening in the story. Yeah, it's even the story a, a thing. It's just an endless side quest treadmill. Right. Which which is fine because I love playing the game and playing in the world, but I have long since given up on this game being something that's that's, you know, the, the storyline. Horizon Zero Dawn though, on the other hand, is that that one's the one I would go back and play just the storyline for because I need to fin- I want to finish that. I'm only about halfway through, I think, and I want to I want to see where that goes. Uh, unlike the Lord of the Rings one, I don't I could care less because I know that um, Sauron dies when Frodo and Sam put the thing in the room. So <laughs> you I, you I know, know that uh, that um, Minas Ithil falls. Yeah, I know that. I know that all happens. I know that you know they don't a, beat the guy. You know what? Every time, past. no matter how many times I fight the Ring Race, I'm not going to finally beat them. It's not going. You know, yeah, I mean that. if. Assuming that I continue playing Horizon Zero Dawn, I will most definitely resist all of my typical urges to go full, not full, like, I almost never go full completion unless it's, like, unlock the whole map. Like, I'll do all the things to unlock the map and, you know, like in the earlier Assassin's Creed games, do kind of all that big stuff. But I definitely won't do the, like, Grand Theft Auto, find all of the pigeons and kill them kind of stuff like not full completion but like do all the really big obvious stuff like if assuming i keep playing this game i would definitely have to be very tunnel vision focused on the main story you know that that's something i i mentioned that my only platinum is from the very first um uh lord of the rings game and and the reason that i platinum that one is this reason why i could see that i could actually platinum this one maybe is because every objective is straight there in the game you see like you hit the start menu at the top of the thing it says you've got like i don't know 20 different things and you're how percentage you are complete to them and then you click them and it shows you where on the map to go collect it so it's literally like a checklist in the whole game to what the whole game is about and that that satisfies that itch mine is that like okay every in this area there are 17 things they're all on the map and i just have to go to them and figure out how to how to collect them but i know exactly what to do i have a goal and i have a thing and that's what makes 
that game very addictive to me is that I, I know what I have to get. It's not confusing. It's not overly difficult because I know what I have to do. I just have to be up good enough to do them. Um, so, right. and, and, and right. It's just ridiculous amounts of time and effort for nothing more than a virtual trophy. But, um, it, you know, it's, it again is one of those completionist type things for me. And I, I don't know how long it'll last, but as long as I can, continue making check marks on that list I'll, I'll continue playing it but it's not the story unlike horizon zero dawn which it is the story so cool that's uh that's definitely something cool okay so here we are right, a year man. later congratulations man we made it we're, we're, we're gonna move on to our next year Th- this year i think that we should still talk about some star trek and hopefully discovery will be coming out again and we can repeat some of the star trek phases we had in in, in year one yeah this yeah there'll two. be all kinds of Star Trek news and uh, and all kinds of news yeah, for all for all kinds of things. We'll get more uh, more category title segment titles for our for our different things, different things we talk about. No, there's still no sort of meta title for all the like. What what would you call it? Like we talked about being a fan, and we talked about oh, that's you know whatever. We won't like, have meta, we won't have that, titles for those. That's just us right. talking. That's the front porch. That that's the front porch, right? But but some of our segments we will. Yep. Yep. Look forward to that. Uh, so this is the front porch, episode fifty-two. No, fifty-three. Fifty-three. You're right. Yes. I've got my files labeled wrong again. Awesome. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to know more about the show, you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com/slash-five-three. There we will have show notes for this episode. A special thanks, as always, to our good friends over at Geek Scholars Movie News. Um. On the website also, I forgot to mention, we have uh, uh, comment forms and our contact email. You can reach out to us. Uh, let us know if you have topic ideas, suggestions for any of our segments. Um, that would be awesome. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We are now also on Spotify. Uh, while you're there, if you leave us a review, that would be awesome. Um, I think when this episode airs will be just a couple days from episode four of Klingons and Dragons, which I'm super cool excited about. That's us role playing, me me being frustrated and <laughs> Mike and uh and the rest of the guys being being uh copiously know, inebriated. Inebriated, hopefully entertaining to, to somebody. I've just I was just editing uh content for episode four earlier today. It's very funny. Chris tries just a lot to of, just uh, a lot of crazy laughing about nonsense chris tries to drug an npc so that he doesn't violate the prime directive which is hilarious anyway uh that's that's going to do it for us i think that's it helped helped a a couple people this week i think i think there's a couple lives saved tonight save some lives until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody